Good morning. It's good to be with you, praising the Lord today, and uh, now into the Word. And Becky, thank you for the Scripture, because uh, I'll, I'll not read the Scripture uh, this morning. You're already on that. But I think about this compels word. I, I love that. Out of all the translations, uh, what they do with that word. Um, constrains is another translation that uh, uses that word. Uh, that's King James Version. Uh, controls us. I was thinking about other uh, words that I could use to help get the, cro- the idea across to you this morning. And I think that the love of Christ challenges I think the love of Christ challenges us to live for Him. I think that the, the, the love of Christ attracts us uh, to live the straight and narrow path for Jesus. I, I think that this uh, uh, love of Christ controls us to, uh, attracts us, challenges us to live a certain way, the way Christ asked us to live. And so I love this, uh, this theme, this idea. Uh, Frank Reynolds uh, is, uh, started a ministry on a Rwanda Challenge. Rwanda Challenge. And he wrote in his newsletter, uh, and, and wrote just briefly, I'll talk more about it next Lord's Day, but Rwanda Challenge is the, the preachers in Rwanda, Africa, are not uh, seminary or Bible college trained. Some of them do not even have a high school diploma. And so uh, they, uh, Frank gathers up American ministers, go over and spend two or three weeks training the preachers there. And they, they do this three or four times a year. It's a wonderful ministry and it's a big deal. I bring that up to share an illustration he shared in his newsletter one time. Uh, he was talking about the Rwandan genocide. Now, listen, depending on your age, whether you've even heard of the Rwandan genocide, because that was 26 years ago in 1994. Uh, genocide is mass murder. It's mass slaughter. And for a period, get this, for a period of 100 days, the Hutu and the Tutsi tribes warred against one another. Now, we're not talking about in the African brush. We're talking about in towns just like Mantino, Illinois. Civilized culture. And these two tribes, marked by their physical attributes, one tribe was tall and slender, the other tribe was short and not so slender, and therefore they could identify who was from what tribe. And they machete hacked each other up 10,000 a day. In 100 days, 800,000 to a million people were slaughtered in that genocide. Well, that's 25, 26 years ago. If you were to get on a plane and go to Rwanda, Africa, and go worship God with the Christian church, you would see people worshiping side by side with people who killed their relative. When you kill 10,000 a day, you are chasing people down in great numbers, just shooting them and hacking them up. I'm sorry to be so graphic, but that's exactly what's going on and what happened in that circumstance. And people began to give their lives to Christ to seek forgiveness. And therefore, 
when you take the Lord's Supper in the Christian church in Rwanda, Africa, you are very possibly, very likely reaching for the bread with another hand that may have killed your mother, may have killed your uncle, may have killed one of your children. How is that possible? How is that possible? The love of Christ challenges us. The love of Christ compels us to live that straight and narrow way. It's not our kingdom. It's the Lord Jesus Christ's kingdom. So, it's a remarkable thing. A Muslim in Islam is converted. He used to persecute Christians. And now he's taking communion beside you. An army officer in the genocide claps hands alongside of you as you both sing, What a Mighty God We Serve. And you turn and you smile to each other. How? Oh, I've seen it too many times that the love of Christ wasn't compelling anybody to do anything. And therefore, if you had some odds with somebody on this side of the church, you got up and you moved to the other side of the church and you did your worshiping on the other side of the auditorium for somebody or you even went and sought out a new church. I will not worship beside them and we really don't have a clue what this text is trying to teach us. That the love of Christ challenges us, attracts us, compels us to live a certain way. Now, have I got your attention so far this morning? Christ's love compels us to love as Christ's love. And he, he knows every speck of Creighton Beatty's brain and heart. He knows yours. He knows he doesn't have to assume anything. His amazing love forgives us, and I love it. Christ's love compels us to love as he loves uh, with grace. You guys remember a country singer by the name of George Strait? Is he even still singing? Well, okay. Check yes or no. Y'all remember that song back? What, good night. Was that 20 years ago? <laughs> I don't have a good memory, but how can you forget check yes or no? Well, he, he, wrote, he sang a song, Let Me Tell You About a Father's Love. Let, let, me, let me read the first and third stanzas. I got sent home from school one day with a shiner on my eye. Fighting was against the rules, and it didn't matter why. When Dad got home, I told him that story just like I rehearsed. And then I stood there on my trembling knees and waited for the worst. And he said, let me tell you about a secret about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. The third stanza of that song says, Last night I dreamed I died and stood outside those pearly gates when suddenly I realized there must be some mistake. If they know half the stuff I've done, they'll never let me in. Then somewhere on the other side, I heard those words again. And they said, let me tell you about a secret, about a father's love. A secret that my daddy said was just between us. You see, daddies don't just love their children every now and then. It's a love without end. Amen. It's a love without end. He loves us without assumptions. He loves because of his wonderful grace and his love for his creation. And we are that creation and we are that new 
creation, praise his name. But he also loves with sacrifice. Uh, one of the most popular verses in Scripture is John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he gave his only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have, what, what, what's ours? Everlasting, everlasting, praise God. Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so this means that you're not trying to earn a bunch of brownie points with God before you get saved. It kind of defeats the idea of grace, doesn't it? Now, you know repentance is part of coming to Christ, but earning salvation, that's not part of coming to Christ. It negates grace. Praise his name that he loves us. That kind of love compels us to live for him, live by his word, live in his kingdom, and be faithful. Secondly, today, Christ's love compels us to forgive as he forgave. And uh, I love that uh, those, uh, the parable in Luke chapter 15. Now, we're not going to look at the parables. I want you to read verses 1 and 2 as to why Jesus told the parables. You already know the story of the lost uh, sheep and the lost coin and the lost son, or the story of the prodigal son, we call it. So why did he tell that story? Why did he tell that parable? Luke 15, 1 and 2. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Aren't you glad that Jesus eats with sinners? Aren't you glad that he loves sinners? It makes me feel better in the kingdom. It makes us all feel better. Praise his name. In the country of India... Uh, I think that country is about 1.3 billion. I, I don't know what America is. 360, 370 million maybe. Oh, India is, is, is a smaller land mass than America and a lot more people. Well, my point of bringing that up is because 150 million are low caste. The low caste system is, is gradually dying off. It needs to. I like to think that it's the love of Jesus that is killing the low caste system. I'll tell you how. 150 million low caste, and many of them are shepherds. You cannot, it's a law, you cannot touch shepherds. You cannot touch low caste people in India. They're low caste. Well, a friend of mine, Dr. A.J. Law, and his wife, Dr. Indu Law, studied at Mid-Atlantic Christian University where I went to school and they went back to their native country and they have a ministry called Central India Christian Mission and it's in Damo, India, which is in the center of the country. And there uh, he has orphanages, three orphanages. He, he has uh, Bible colleges uh, around the country. He's got so many ministries going on. It's beautiful and it's, it's huge. One of the preachers in his Bible college says that um, <clears throat> he, he goes out, well, not, not just he, but, but all of them go out and they touch the shepherds, the low-caste people. And they tell them, you're not low-caste. And they say, yes, we are. And they say, no, you're not. Why, they say. 
And he says, because when Jesus Christ was born on the earth, the very first people group that the angels went to were the shepherds. And the shepherds had been coming to Christ. 5,000 shepherds came to Christ in one month because they're touching them and they're going and telling them how much God loves them. I love it. A, a man by the name of uh, Miss Hart. Miss Hart is a Bible college student there uh, when I visited there in 2013. And he said, I'm going to the slums. I'm going to the mud huts. Uh, he said, I came to this Bible college highly educated. I've already been to college once, and I'm, I'm uh, a civil engineer. But God changed me. And now I ride my bicycle 25 miles a day going to the shepherd people and telling them how much God loves them. Hundreds of Hindu, hundreds of uh, Muslims and low caste are coming to Christ. And, and, they, and Miss Hart goes on to say, uh, we love them and we touch them. And he reminds us that it's sinful to touch low caste people. We have a church planting movement there. He told, he told us that 763 people were in one village, and all 763 came to Christ. On a bad day, they have 500 in church in a village of 763. They worship every night for several hours, every night of the week. A.J. Law, the one that began this ministry, uh, he did not believe this. And he sent out a videotaping crew. And that videotaping crew filmed all of these people who used to be this and used to be that, and now they're Christian. And they're praising God. Daniel, our interpreter, told us that the upper class are coming to Christ as well. Because the upper class who have money and they're educated say that Hinduism offers them nothing. And they're coming to Jesus Christ. Praise his name. Jesus taught the Father's will. I'm going to go to 1 Peter. Wish you would go there with me. 1 Peter, uh, after Hebrews and James. And I want to look at uh, chapter 2 and verse uh, 21. Verse 21 through 23. I'll not be reading all the scripture on the screen. I realize. Sometimes a preacher ought to realize how long his sermon is. And did someone say amen? <laughs> I'll, I'll see you at the dinner. The love one another dinner. <laughs> okay, so 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm getting there. And yes, I do know where it is. All right, 1 Peter 2, uh, 21 through 23. L listen to this. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Look at uh, chapter 3, verse 8. 3, 8 reads, Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. And so Peter, one who walked with Jesus for three years, I think Peter got it right. He learned from the Lord what it was about. And Peter 
taught us the scriptures. And then John, what about John? If you'd keep going uh, in your scriptures a couple of pages to 1 John and chapter 4, 9 through 11, you would read that John who walked with the Lord, he also got it right and he wrote and shared with us. And so 1 John 4, uh, 9, 10, and 11, it reads this way. In this the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love who? One another, exactly. Now there's that word again, that big word, that propitiation word. Your Bible may have said atonement, and that's good because that's the idea. Propitiation. Propitiation means two things. It means, one, that your sins are covered by the blood of Christ. Uh, secondly, it means that the wrath of God has been turned away from us. Aren't you? Yes, aren't you thrilled? That God's wrath has been turned away from us and it was placed upon Jesus on the cross of Calvary. And that way, Creighton, Beatty, and, and you, you name your name, we get to go, what, what's that phrase, scot-free? We get to go scot-free, and that's why we're around this table every Lord's Day. Uh, thank you, Mike. As a, as a, this is his memorial, and we come here to remember that we got off scot-free, that our sins have been atoned for, covered, that God's wrath is not upon us. We do not fear hell because of the love of Christ, and that great love compels us it challenges us. It attracts us to live for him and live for him faithfully. Well, that's Peter and that's, that's uh, John. What about Paul? Same thing. Paul met uh, the Lord uh, on the road, and I want you to turn over to Colossians chapter 3. That's a little tiny book. You can find it after 2 Corinthians, which is a larger book to fan through your Bible and find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. Go to chapter 3. And let's look at 13 and 14, and you be prepared to say, wow. In Colossians, yes, thank you. Colossians uh, 3, 13 and 14. Listen, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's us. That's the Christian Church of Mantino. That is what we are striving for. Praise his name. Now, the blessings of living this way. In verse 12, we find in this text, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, loving one another. Wow. The Word of God challenges us to live this way. Now, what are the curses? What are the curses when we, stubborn and full of pride, will not act like this? We will not live this way. What is it? Well, it's in the same chapter Paul's writing. Colossians 3, I want you to look at 5 through 8. 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. 
On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from, away, from your mouth. And do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. We put on Christ, and it makes all the difference in how we love each other and treat one another. And then it affects everything in our lives. Oh, it, it affects the way uh, that we uh, work our jobs. It affects the way that we do work here. We do not do shoddy work for Jesus Christ. His love compels us to do our best for him. Do we love Jesus? Do we love God? And do we really love? Well, his love compels, challenges, attracts us to forgive others in the kingdom. In closing, in Iran, Muslims are converting to Jesus Christ at a phenomenal rate. Do you realize 40 years ago they estimated that there were only 200 Christians in Iran? Well, the last survey I read was back to 2013, all right, seven years ago, and, and there were 370,000 Christians in Iran in 2013. Went from 200 to 370,000. I cannot tell you if it continued to grow, and there might be a half a million there today, or because of the fighting and the, and the, and the people groups fleeing the countries. I don't know how many is there, but do you understand what I'm saying? People, Muslims are turning to Jesus Christ. Praise his name. How can they do this? How can you worship beside someone who, who may have killed a family member of yours? How can you worship next to someone who blackballed you, you were fired from your job, uh, you, you, you were run out of your house? How do you love someone? Because you're not your own. You belong to Jesus Christ, and we love the way he loves. About 31 years ago, President George H.W. Bush ordered the invasion of Panama for the purpose of capturing General Noriega on charges of massive drug trafficking. Nor Noriega was incarcerated in Miami prison for 17 years, then for money laundering, he was prison, imprisoned in France for four years, and then he uh, went to Panama and was imprisoned in 2011 there. But let's back the story up to 1990. In 1990, he was given a Spanish New Testament uh, for the prisoners. Ten days later, Noriega wrote a letter to Cliff Brannon, a former attorney who turned preacher. Brannon uh, immediately applied for a visitation permit, and that was 1990. In May of 1990, Brannon and a Spanish interpreter named Rudy Hernandez uh, were allowed to visit Noriega for six hours. Following their visit with Noriega, he wrote this letter. The hours flew by without my being aware. I could have desired that they continued forever, 
This was so little time. Thank you for the deep and meaningful spiritual strength brought to bear on my mind and my soul. Now that was May. In July of that year, Brennan started uh, Noriega on a Spanish Bible correspondence course. In 1991, the former drug lord requested permission to be baptized into Christ, and it was denied. In September of 92, United States uh, District Judge in Miami uh, granted permission for the baptism. October the 24th, 1992, a baptistry provided by the Christian churches, the Christian churches prison ministry, delivered a baptistry to the back door of the prison by a deputy marshal. Surrounded by 12 guards, Noriega, wearing civilian clothes, slipped off his coat and his shoes, and he got into the baptistry and was immersed into Christ. Praise God. Raising him up again, Romans 6, 4. Rudy played an accordion and played Amazing Grace. They sang it in Spanish, then they sang it in English. And one of the guards later said, At one time, Noriega was public enemy number one, but now he's my brother in Christ. Wow. Manuel Noriega died May 29th, 2017, just three years ago. In a hospital in Panama, he was 83 years of age. In his last correspondence, he wrote, God bless Cliff, Rudy, and you with physical health and spiritual wisdom. Please keep up the good work. I am continuing to walk in Christ. Wow. Wow. Such a, a notorious uh, drug lord came to Jesus Christ. I tell you what, church. The love of Christ compels. Don't make up your mind who wants to accept Christ and who doesn't. You leave that work to the Holy Spirit of God. You leave that work to the written word when you share the love of Jesus and let that word permeate the heart and mind of people that you and I meet every day. Let's pray. Lord Christ, I thank you for the cross of Calvary. I thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for showing us the love, sharing this love. We are the benefits of your great grace and love. And I pray, dear God, that when we get down or we are bombarded by the devil, 